Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join Welcome to Georgia broadcast. Baptist Discipleship, where we bring you the best discipleship practices and solutions from across the nation. Today we have Scott and Dawn Smith. Scott is the discipleship pastor at Lakewood Baptist in Gainesville, and Dawn is the connection director there at the church. Now, together, Scott and Dawn have a podcast. Now, it's incredible, so you're going to want to make sure that you note this, click, listen, work through some of the free product that they have there for you to read, but it's an incredible marriage podcast, and it's called Forever Marriage org forevermarriage.org. So I encourage you to go to there. I am a, an avid listener of that, and I can recommend it to you. Now, Scott and Dawn, I've got fun facts about you. Now, this is kind of cool. Um, so, Scott, you proposed to Dawn, right, in the middle of a morning worship service? Yeah. Yeah. So. This was um, August of 1987 in Statesboro, Georgia, at Fletcher Memorial Baptist Church. This was, hey, Scott, this was back in the day. When when you and I both had hair back in the nineties, I was just fixing to say. Yeah, but I had I had at the time a permed mullet. Uh, Stop it! Uh, it was a sweet business in the front, party in the back kind of deal. Come on! But we were we Dawn Dawn was a choir director, and I was the worship pastor at the time. Both of us doing in a in a, in a volunteer role, but I got this idea. Uh, I talked to my my roommate and I talked to my mom the night before, and we were singing a trio with one of our best friends at the time, right before the pastor came up. Small church, 200, 250 people in the church. We got through singing, Scott, and I decided right now I'm going to get down on my knee and ask, oh my word. marry me. Never crossed my mind. She might say no. You know, it ne I never even thought about it. So. Hey, I knew there was something about us that was similar, and it was more than the fact that we don't have hair. Yeah. So um, I did the same thing with Elizabeth. Did making you? It, I tried to, well, similar. I tried to make it so big that she'd be ashamed to say no. Oh, okay. So I climbed on the top of a billboard in downtown Shreveport, Louisiana, and the billboard read, Elizabeth Ann Harris, I love you. Will you marry oh, wow. me on it? Yeah, so I was like, "Hey, I'm going big," and that way she'd be. Well, too see, that's the difference between you spent money. I I had my <laughs> I had my mom's ring, her engagement ring. So. Um, and did you have a matching baby blue choir robe? Yeah, we had. I didn't. That's, that's precious. We had. Yeah, baby blue choir robes with, with burnt orange, orange carpet. carpet. It was. Oh. I, somebody thought it was a good idea back in the seventies and eighties. That is so awesome. So <laughs> awesome. Now, Don, another fun fact about you guys is that you have a sister, and she's also married to a Scott Smith. What in the world? That's right. But she had hers first. And so when uh, when Scott and I came together, I think he was nosy, as he always is, thumbing through yeah. my address book. You know, uh -huh. you had an actual address book uh, yeah. and saw that I have a, a, a Scott Smith in my address book. And he asked about it. So, yes, my sister is married to a Scott Smith. So we have two in the family. And it's been Lisa Scott and Dawn Scott or Big, Big Scott, Scott and Little Scott. Scott and, you know, so anyway, that's, that's been fun. It's, it's fun. I think this one just didn't think that Scott Smith was a very common name. Well, Scott, listen, see, back, <laughs> I grew up in Effingham County, Southeast Georgia. Okay. Yes. Amen. And down where Ray is. And here's, here's the thing, Scott, growing up, there was only one other Scott for 17 years of my life. Mm -hmm. and was Scotty Edwards. And so I'm like, Scott's a rare name. And then we go to college and it felt like everybody's name. Scott. There we go. Well, Don, you got Scott 2.0. He's an upgrade. I think you did well. All right. <laughs> hey, well, let's jump in here. We um, question that statement. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. Well, yeah. let's jump in here. I also want to uh, introduce, make sure that you guys know that Ray Sullivan, Uncle Ray, is on with us again today. And um, so, so glad to have Ray. Ray is our Southern Kingdom in Georgia consultant Ray for discipleship. Southern. I just noticed that, Ray. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying a few minutes ago. You you were talking and I know on the podcast, you're not seeing all of us at the same time. But um, 
you were talking about Fletcher Memorial and, yeah. uh, and on one of your podcasts, you talk about Brooklyn. I'm like, yeah, yes, I wore, I wore my Georgia Southern for you. Today. There, there you go. There we go. Blue. All Hail right. Southern. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So listeners, make sure that you listen to the end because I'm going to share with you what I have uh, come to determine as the best marriage advice that I have ever received. Mm. I'm going to share that at the end. So make sure that you watch uh, to the end or if you're on YouTube, just forward if you need to. But this is an incredible conversation. Now, Here's a reminder. I want to say thank you to our listeners, and we want to give some free product away. So make sure that you leave a comment right now if you're on the Facebook group uh, watching and listening with us today, and you'll get entered into that drawing for free product. But also, if you share today's link, you'll get double entry into that, and you just might get an invite to hang out with Ray Sullivan, Uncle Ray, telling half-truths around his new outdoor fire pit in Hoboken, Georgia. So that's huge. <laughs> There we All go. Right. All right, Uncle Ray, take us away, man. Jump in with our first question. Absolutely. And if you do it in the next few weeks, you can come down here and help me harvest blueberries as well. So, Preach. Oh, man. Count me in. We might do that, Uncle Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Scott, uh, Don, thank you so much for being with us, Scott. Last time I saw you, um, I think we did something pretty crazy. If you remember, we got on a roller coaster. Yes. A real roller coaster. Not just, a, you know, a lot of ministry were on roller coaster rides. We were That's on a right. real roller coaster down in florida and uh, i didn't do too well out of that time um <laughs> ended up getting sick and going home early oh you, uh, you yes you did i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna <laughs> out you here but yeah you did you did not do well <laughs> you know it was so funny i know we got to get into this but it was so funny because we were all here all these old middle-aged and older guys and we're like we're gonna do a roller coaster you know and, and we were all so excited and <laughs> I wish I had a video when we all got out. Oh, we were also green when we got out. That was not a good idea. Not a good idea. So let me jump in. So Don and Scott, tell us um two-part question here. Why why did you start this podcast, the marriage podcast in, in particular here? And I know lately I've been listening and, and I know this year you're talking about finishing well in your podcast. So why the podcast? Um, what what got that started and why the emphasis this season on finishing well? Yeah, I'll start us with the podcast, and then I'll let Dawn talk about the emphasis this year. Uh, it really started, Ray, We in what we do here at Lakewood, we do a lot of marriage ministry, a lot of teaching, and periodically it happened this morning. Um, someone asked, are you recording what, what you're teaching? And um, the, just the nature of how we teach just we we do a lot of back and forth just like what we're doing here and i've just learned it doesn't always in audio it doesn't translate as well when you can't pick up everything that's being said in the room so we just started several years ago we said okay well we'll just take what we teach on a wednesday night or a sunday morning format and we'll record it in a podcast format to those who can't be with us in person for one reason or another but then, Ray, I just we started thinking about okay, this is a way to get what what we're attempting to do here at Lakewood in the discipleship ministry out to a, a broader audience, and it's just like what you guys have seen with this podcast. Mm -hmm. It amazes me, Ray. I'm like, people actually listen to this <laughs> stuff, you know, yeah. and we can get our assistant to run the analytics and it literally, it's not an exact, it's literally worldwide. And I'm like, that is amazing to me. So oh. it was just a way for us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ in the context of our niche of marriage and family and, and put it out to a broader audience. Right. And it's a great idea. Don, tell us about this year, the, the emphasis on finishing well. Well, this year really is um, the catalyst for it happened last year um, for us. 2022, we saw four key people in our lives that are in their 80s go home to be with the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. In the spring, in April, uh, I, the woman who mentored me for many years, her name was Linda Jo Powell. She's a lifelong navigator. She and her husband, Gene, together. Uh, they were both in their 80s, actually Gene in his 90s, um, and and she'd been a mentor for me and discipling me even for the probably the last 15 years, meeting with her regularly, and um, she was such a godly, faithful woman, but and loved her husband so well, and her work really was spent 
her, her question always to me and to the other person that we met with to disciple, uh, to follow, get in her path and follow her a little bit was she would always say, how are you preparing your heart for blah, 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 whatever it is? How are you preparing your heart for Easter? How are you preparing your heart for whatever season you're in? And we talked a lot about her and how she was preparing to really to be a widow because Jean was uh, not well and was under hospice care. And so we talked a lot about what it would mean to prepare to be a widow. We got a call in April of last year that Linda Jo had actually had a stroke and she met the Lord before Jean did. Mm. So when she went to be with the Lord, we, um, we gathered around Jean um, and we're listening to him talk about his love for Linda Joe, his love for Jesus, how happy he was for her. Hmm. And uh, Scott did Linda Joe's funeral. Um, two weeks later, Jean met the Lord. And so processing their life uh, and what it took to finish well was, in, was, was how it kind of got started. Yeah. And then uh, Miss Gail Gill, another faithful woman here in our church, went home to be with the Lord. And in the meantime, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, we knew that it would be, he was going to be running his final lap. Mm -hmm. So when daddy passed away in October of, of this past year, and um, we really took hard looks at what it takes to finish well. These were all very faithful people. And so during the course of that, Scott, in, after Jean and Linda Joe passed, started to write this study of uh, finishing well. And we were going to guinea pig it with about 30 people here at Lakewood. It turned in, we 60 people registered and like a hundred and something odd people came to the study. So we knew it was touching something to know what does it take to actually finish well. Mm -hmm. We were watching some people have moral failure around us mm -hmm. as well. And uh, it's something we we just want to finish well. And so we we think of, have thought about that for ourselves and what it takes mm -hmm. to finish well. And we want to help others do the same thing to be able to finish well. So that was that's what the catalyst of this season is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that. I have I have enjoyed them. I've been listening to it. And I know it's acrostic, so I know you're Baptist. <laughs> um, Scott, so I know you created acrostic, and I really want to point people. We'll put a link in the in the broadcast here. I want to point people to the to the podcast to hear this. Um, but can you just share with us three or four of those principles? I know it's finish well acrostic. How many is that? Was it yeah. ten or something? So yeah. can you just share with us a little bit of kind of what you did, Scott, and how that how that came together. Well, you know, Ray. First and foremost, obviously, I mean, we we think if we're going to finish well, not just in 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 marriage, in family, but I'm thinking too to what you just said with regard to with us in in vocational ministry. Uh, we think of it in the context, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And the part of the impetus for me is is just seeing um guys who had a great run and got close to the finish line, Ray, and just it's like, man, you were right there and you just made a poor choice. And so the key, first off, for us is, is just thinking through fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and for that, part of how I think of it is, is this, is I have to look to Jesus in ministry to, uh, to receive all that I am going to do. You know, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, Scott, I take that very seriously. And so I have, just like Jesus, Mark 135, he got up early in the morning to spend time with the Father. So we, we think fixing our eyes on Jesus is very crucial. Another key piece is inviting others into our lives. Dawn alluded to uh, Gene and Linda Joe, what we call, Ray, upstream people from us. Hmm. So I'm I'm right at 60. This fall, I'll be 60. But I still believe it's imperative that I have guys a good 5, 10, 15 years ahead of me that are still pointed the direction for me with regard to marriage to dawn. How do you finish? Well, we've been married now 35 years. How do we make it to 40, 45, 50, Lord willing? Uh, but having those upstream people that model for us behavior spiritually, relationally, financially, sexually, parentally, vocationally, in any of those areas, people that I can look to, almost Jesus with skin on, 
you know, who can model for us. So upstream people, we have walking buddies. The three of us would be in essence, walking buddies. We're peers long lot in the same age and stage of life. For the most part, we're walking buddies, but then you have to have also downstream people, people that we're giving, you know, that we always put before our people, what is God teaching you? What are you going to do about it? And then who can you tell? And often the people that we can tell that we invite into our lives are people that we're mentoring or discipling ourselves. So we do think inviting people into our lives is a key. Let's, yeah, let, let's just hold right there for a second. I just want to, I just want to hang our hat on that. I, I don't, I really want to point people to the podcast because I, there's, there's so many good things in there, but man, that, that nugget right there. Um, we talk a lot on our team about finishing well. We've, we've talked about that in our group together. It's frustrating uh, when we see people. These are not just ministers, but just people in the church as well. But, no, that's right. Man, that upstream people, walking buddies, downstream, man, there's so many pastors I know that don't have those upstream people. We get to a certain point and that's everything right. is downstream. Everything is pouring out that's and right. always having those people. And a lot of times they may not be other ministers. They may just be people that God has put in your life and in the that's church. Right. But man, that's that's gold right there. Thank well, you. the sad part is, Ray, is especially talking to men and, you know, um, in our world, the vast majority, and I find this even talking to pastors is when I ask them, you know, who, who are you confiding in? Who knows you? Who, who knows your shortcomings, your vulnerabilities, your hopes, your wishes, your fears, all of that. And honestly, Ray, the vast majority will say nobody. Nobody. That's right. That's nobody. what I hear too. Yeah. And uh, and that that to me is just a fearful reality. Mm. I think I was telling the men that I was leading this morning, Ray. I, I I think the closer I get to the finish line, the weightier it is becoming to me. Yes. yes. Weightier in the sense of how much is at stake. Because I I tell our fellows, listen, all of us, you, me, Sully, all of us are one dumb decision away from stupid. That's right. And, yeah. and and the enemy, I think we're teaching a series right now. We probably will put it in this podcast eventually is eight schemes of the devil. And this is what I know, Ray, about the devil. He is very patient. Mm. And I think if he can wait to you or Sully or me or Dawn get right to the finish line and then make a in a vulnerable position, make a terrible choice that has the potential to totally invalidate the gospel that we have stood for, all that we have espoused, he he was like, well done, Scott. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know. Yeah. That that is so true. Thank you, man. I I I get that. The older I get, the 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 weightier that feels. Yeah. Um, as you see more and more. So what we hope through this teaching is that no matter who's listening, the 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 even though the four people that we you know, sent off to the heaven, we're in their eighties. We, we do not know when our finish line is That's right. coming. It's good. Sometimes we do know, and we get the opportunity to say the things we want to say and do the things we want to do sometimes, but, but we just do not know. And so in, in order to finish well, we kind of have to think in the here and now, uh, and we have to have the heart of a lifelong learner. If we want to have upstream people in our life. Yeah. Upstream mm -hmm. people aren't going to linger in our life if we're not teachable either. Mm -hmm. So for, for me and for Scott, the people, the people that we have that are upstream people, we come to them with our questions, with the intention of learning, not necessarily sharing our knowledge because yeah. that's not what we're right. there for, but we actually try to get in their wake. Um, and I think that finding upstream people, they are more findable now than ever because of our connection, just like we're doing right now, we're, we're miles apart from each other, mm -hmm. but we're having conversation and this can happen. So it, it, you know, looking for praying for seeking out, trying to find people that we can get in their wake and learn from coming to them as a learner is an important posture. I think a heart posture for us when we come to upstream people and invite them into our life. Mm -hmm. I love it. And, and being curious, as a believer, as a spouse is huge. We've been talking about that a lot on our, on this broadcast of late. And I'm going to keep with that line of thought because in your writings, you mentioned that it is very important that we should be a student of our spouse. I love that terminology. So can you share with us three or four ways that, that you found it helpful to be a student of your spouse and maybe even any benefits of it? Well, 
Scott, just think of it this way. I mean, we've all been students at some level, the three of us in seminary, uh, in college, all of that. And a key piece for you with Elizabeth is a huge piece. I can't overstate a piece for you and Elizabeth is, is you simply listening to her. Mm. You know, because here was my son, when he went to college at Georgia Southern, Ray, he would sit in class. He would not write a single note. He would just sit and listen intently. And he he graduated with honors from Georgia yes. Southern and never wrote a single note. He would just listen. And he listened to understand. And that, that has just always stood out to me because what I find for us, especially in the context of marriage, for us as husbands, and it's part of our wiring, how we're wired by God. So I don't want to... Uh, play that down too much. Yeah. But when we listen at times to our spouse, we're listening. Scott, I'm listening often to Dawn, not to understand her, but listening to fix her. Well, mm. let me, okay. Okay. Here's the problem. I hear what what's happened in connection ministry or whatever. Here's what I would do. Blah, 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 blah. Well, if I'm going to listen to Dawn to be a student of her, I need to listen to understand her. Secondly, I, I listen this is really, Scott, when, when it comes to wants, wishes, hopes, dreams, I listen to things when she says, I really like that. Mm. Or we're out somewhere and she says, I would like to go there. I keep a notebook of just things when she says, I would like to go there. Part of what we attempt to do, Friday is both of our day off. And as much as possible, we call we have a thing we call field trip Fridays. And it's often, Ray, it's just things that Dawn has said, I would like to go there. It might, let's go hike Yona Mountain and eat lunch on the top of the mountain, or let's go to Gibbs Gardens and, and just spend the day, or let's, whatever. It can be anything, but it's often something that she says, I like. So that's a key piece to them. Here's another one. And this is the hardest, you know, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. <laughs> the, the key often, Scott, that I find with guys is they listen. There's a difference between understanding Elizabeth and comprehending Elizabeth. You know, I've lived with this woman for 35 years. I can tell you, Scott, when X happens, Y is going to be Dawn's response. I understand that. I still, Ray, don't comprehend it. It does not make sense to me why she would respond that way, react that way. But here's the key piece. Third piece is to think like them. Okay. Mm. Help me to get inside of her to know, okay, that's not how I would respond. That's not how I would react. But help me think like she would think in this moment. That's how we become a student of them. And then uh, when we think about it, when you were talking earlier, Ray, about Brooklet, Georgia, our first encounter with Dr. Gary Chapman was in, at First Baptist Brooklet in the early 90s. He had not even written the book, The Five Love Languages. It hadn't even been released yet. He was teaching the principles of it. At that time, we were very toxic. And if you want to hear that story, go to the podcast and you'll hear it. But at that time, Ray, he taught the five principles of the five love languages, of which Dawn's love language is gift. Mine is acts of service. And I wrote in, in here, Scott, the fourth piece of being a student of Dawn is loving like she loves. Because how we often express love to one another is in the way that expresses love most readily to us. But what expresses love to Elizabeth often is not going to be that high on the bar for you. You appreciate it, but it's not what means love to you. But if we want to be a student of one another, we have to figure out what means love to them, what expresses love to them, and by a volitional act of my will, express love in that way. And here's the reality to it. More often than not, it doesn't come very natural for us. And that's the beauty of the Christ life, Christ in us, helps us supernaturally to express to our partner that which does not come naturally. Mm, boy, that's good. I'm taking notes all sorts of yeah. ways here, guys. I appreciate that. And you also, Scott, right, so, 
go ahead. Uh, one one of the things that they said, I know in the recording, and uh, that that the reason you came to this with with the five love languages, the, the reason you were at Brooklyn is you made a decision when you first got married that every year you would do at least one right. marriage retreat, marriage mm-hmm. enrichment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know for a lot of pastors and things I talk about, we talk about the people in our church, but we don't talk about us. We don't talk that's about right. our relationship. And a lot of pastors aren't doing that. So uh, that's how you came to learn that was by yeah. a decision from the very beginning that we will continue to be students about each other and we'll go. Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. great. And, and just for all of you that are listening, if you didn't know, our pastor wellness team does at least four uh, pastor and wife retreats during the year. And that's not just lead pastor. It can be student pastor, children, whatever those different roles are. And they are phenomenal. And um, and I would also encourage you with Scott and Dawn because they they will lead those for you if you want to do one at your church. Now, hey, let me branch to this one because you use some really fun language. And I just got to get you to expand on this because you share a question that every husband should ask to improve relational health in their marriage. And you said, is your bride a red solo cup or a crystal goblet? So Don, can you help me understand that? Mm-hmm. We work predominantly with young couples. And so, you know, a lot of our work of t- trying to help them become a student, trying to learn early, they spend a lot of their first year of marriage really trying to, um, teach the other person about who they are, but we want to shift that paradigm so that they can learn to spend time being more of a student than a teacher. Um, and But we also trying to get bib- these hard, some of the harder biblical truths of, of marriage into a language that they can understand, something that they can wrap their brain around and take with them. So, you know, when we come to them, when Scott and I teach marriage principles, and honestly, we don't teach them much. Most of the time we teach the one another's of scripture as the code of conduct for marriage, that first we are um, image bearers of a holy God. Second, we are children of God and the marriage scriptures rest on top of that. So Mm. when you read the passage, the books of the Bible that have the marriage scriptures in them, like Ephesians, like first Peter, you can see so much writing on the front end to the church and to how believers should treat each other first. And then he gets to how husbands and wives are to uh, treat each other. So we spend a lot of time talking about the one another's and, and as we moved into talking through first Peter and getting into the passages that Scott was talking about earlier, we wanted a way to kind of teach these ideas of a quiet and gentle spirit and then under husbands understanding your wives and living with them as in um, as a as the weaker vessel. So what we we you know helping wives understand that a quiet and gentle spirit is really a quiet spirit is a settled spirit. This has got nothing to do with your personality. You can have lively personality, but this has this has more to do with your spiritual condition, your spiritual life. A quiet spirit is one that's settled. It's peaceful. It's settled on the Lord. She knows who her God is. She un- she understands him and she's settled on him. So her spirit's not disturbed. No matter what goes on, her spirit's not disturbed. She's settled. A gentle spirit, uh, a gentle gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is strength under restraint. So it it is me saying, okay, I'm not, I'm going to restrain my strength. Because as a woman, I feel like our go-to is manipulation and domination. If we can we can get our men to do whatever we want to based on two, those two things, we'll we'll keep going to that well. And I did it for many, many, many years. Um, <laughs> but when we understand, no, I need to pull pull my strength back so that I can make room for the strength of God. And I'll tell you that when God comes in and works on my behalf in Scott's life, it's almost funny to me. I mean, I just it, it uh, it's encouraging, but it's laughable. Like, I'm just like, okay, you know, it was so much better to have you do this God than me. And, and the change is permanent when God does it in my husband's life. So a uh, quiet and gentle spirit is a great value to God because a woman understands who her God is and she makes room for him to work on her behalf. But then as we started moving to the teaching of the husbands there, it is, you know, to live with your wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel. So what we did was we brought these illustrations into our classroom and we said, okay, guys, what is this? And we asked them to give us three words to describe what this is. Well, it's a solo cup. And they would say, uh, 
is a party waiting to happen. It's cheap. You know, you can buy 500 for, you know, for $5 at Sam's. It's disposable. Um, all of those things. And they, they were laughing about it. And, that, and it was great. That's what it's supposed to be. But then I held it. This is a piece of my wedding crystal that somebody uh, in my life thought hard about and actually sacrificed for because it was, it's more expensive. It's definitely more refined. I approach this vessel differently than when I, than I approach this vessel. And so helping our husbands compare these two and help them understand that the immature husband treats his wife like a solo cup, like she's common, hmm. um, that as long as he's got his name written on her, he can do whatever he wants to. He can handle her any way he wants to. But quite honestly, if it gets a little worn out, it's disposable, can find another one. Not a lot of value given here. But God says, no, you're actually married to this. This is who you brought into your life, who you need to make room for. Your approach to her is different. She has a different value. A very high price was paid for her in, in your relationship. And if you don't understand this, there's going to be a problem because the God says, listen, if you don't treat her and cherish her the way you would cherish a piece of crystal, something fine and valuable to you, if you don't impart to her the value of a co-heir uh, in Christ in, in life, if you don't do that, there's a problem. There's going to be a hindrance to your prayers. In other words, there's going to be interference on the line. We used to live in a farmhouse where there was a metal roof. And if I was on the inside of the house, I couldn't take that call because of that interference. So I would get up and I would go outside to get better signal. I didn't call AT&T and say, hey, you mind moving your big old tower into my living room so that I could get better reception? That's That was would be crazy. No, I reoriented myself to the signal. Mm. And young husbands, what we try to encourage them to do is reorient yourself to the signal because if you, and what we find is a lot of the young guys that we work with, they want to be the spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. They want to do well. They don't, just haven't often known how to do it but they don't understand that they have to reorient themselves now to God's signal to what he's saying. And the one thing that a spiritual leader cannot afford to forfeit is that direct line of communication with God. Mm -hmm. And it's directly hinged on how he handles the woman in his life, how he views the woman in his life and how he cherishes the woman in his life and the honor that he gives her otherwise he's going to pray these really the interference comes from the flesh it's that mm -hmm. selfish pattern that selfish way of mm -hmm. praying that way that scott and i were praying in the early years that listen it'd just be easier if you killed that person mm -hmm. if you just took them out we'd be fine okay yeah. that that's the kind of interference god's like mm -mm, i don't listen mm -hmm. to that you know that's that is how the illustration of the goblet and the solo cup came about that is so great dawn and it sparked a, a thought i've been doing a word study on the word passion so when I, when I think about that within our marriage, I mean, most of us go to the eros love, the erotic love, you know, that that is so often associated with passion in couples. But Paul uses the same concept with Timothy, but his use of that word passion is the willingness to suffer or sacrifice for that person or that thing that you are passionate about. So as you're talking, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, what a perfect illustration of like, it's not really what I can get from Elizabeth or what she can do for me. It's what I'm willing to sacrifice for her or suffer on her behalf for. That's what genuine love is. So, gosh, thanks so much for sharing that. Ray, I think you're up. Yeah. <laughs> well, y'all are talking about such good stuff. And this little Southern Kingdom guy, I've got Red Solo Cup rolling around in my head right now. So, <laughs> right. I gotta get See, that I don't even on. know what that song is, Ray. Yeah, you I'm probably wouldn't, Scott. That's good. <laughs> Above making that just doesn't translate anymore. No, anyway, um, gosh, on the on the back side of this this discussion we're having, let, let me do this. Let's turn a corner here. Let's let's get practical for a few minutes. We we've, we're talking about a lot of practical things, but but Scott, let me ask you. You talk a lot about a fair proofing your marriage. This is something we've seen a lot. We talked about this early in the podcast with friends. We all have friends. We all have people that we know that have um that have been devoured. Um, Satan would love to uh, to take us out in this realm. So. Give us give us a few nuggets here, man. What what have you learned over all these years with 35 years and, and the work you're doing with couples on a fair proofing your marriage? What are some practical things that we can do there? 
Well, just highly practical. We're as we're recording right now, Ray. Um, we're in my office and a key piece, my 22 years here at Lakewood has always been for me personally, this is not just vocational, but this is Scott attempting to protect the fidelity of his own marriage, not just his ministry. But a key piece, Ray, for me is I don't meet in any setting with someone of the opposite sex that's not my wife unless my wife is with me. Because to me, that's just, I, I know, and I deal, Ray, with a lot of business leaders that have to do some of these things, but I just always give a word of caution, if at all possible, if you can do it otherwise, do so, because that's just the very entry point is meeting alone with someone of the opposite sex. Um, I deal, we all deal with business leaders, and you guys yourselves are often on the road, I know. Uh, when I'm working with men, Ray, I, I always say, if you're going to be on the road, have an accountable system for your travel. Yeah. I learned years ago, I was doing for Lifeway, I was up in Detroit and um, doing a, a, a conference for Lifeway. And while I was prepping at a Starbucks, I had an experience, Ray, where just a flood of temptation came over me. And I will tell you, it scared the hound out of me because mm -hmm. I, I, I felt more in that moment of temptation, the, the reality that, man, I, I am right at the precipice. And you know how, how Paul talks about to Timothy, he says, don't stand there and fight it like a man, Timothy, flee yeah. youthful yeah. lust. Hmm. The accountable system, thank the Lord that I had in place and two, Ray, that I actually practice is I got on the phone with my best friend, Robert Puckett, who is on staff here. And I said, hey, bro, I just need to let you know what is just going on with yep. me. And he mm -hmm. talked me through it. I went and, and left. But here's what I find, Ray. Accountability is only as good as you're wanting to be held accountable. That's true. Because I deal with guys all the time. I'm like, man, you're in a group. Why are you not processing this stuff with the men of your group? And they're like, no. And I've dealt with, we typically deal with five to 10 adultery cases here um, a year, not necessarily of people from Lakewood, but just from the community. Mm -hmm. More often than not, they either didn't have an accountable system, or if they had the accountable system, they didn't work it. So you got to have an accountable system and you have to work it. I would, we are in a social media age. We, we all are, we're all on some kind of a platform, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, TikTok. I'll, all I would say is if you are using any form of social media, you have to be cautious of your interactions. Yes. If, you, if you have social media accounts that your partner does not know about and or have access to, you're on a very slippery slow. And the fourth piece I would say is, is keep no secrets. When I'm doing a wedding, one of the things, Ray, that I'll often say to the young couple, and I learned this from Chris Hodges, is rights that you give up and responsibilities that you pick up. And I will often say to them, the third right that you give up is the right to privacy. Because I believe in covenant marriage, there are to be no secrets between me and Dawn. Nothing is to be hidden. You know, if I've got my phone, Sully may text me and Dawn and I, the beauty of new cars now is it pops up on your screen. So you can't hide it. It's, it's up there. And I was like, that's Scott Sullivan or whoever. But in our older car, Ray, I used to keep my phone right here in, in the dashboard between us. And it was basically to say, honey, I've got no secrets. So that could be Ray Sullivan. It could be Lana Melton, it could be, I don't know who it is, but whoever calls me or texts me, you have access to it. I've got no secrets because Jesus says it this way in Mark 4, 22, nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything become secret, but that it should come to light. Mm. And I tell guys all the time, right? Look, bro, if you're doing something stupid, you can either expose it or it's going to get disclosed at some point. Hmm. 
you you're you can it's going you're going to be exposed because the kingdom of god is a kingdom of light it's not a kingdom of darkness hmm. and jesus loves you enough he loves your partner enough he loves the kingdom enough that he's going to bring it to light because he cannot marriage in his design cannot thrive in the cloak of secrecy so those are just there's a whole bunch more that's that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) gosh i love it so good so good i had i had a thing just recently with social media and that's you brought that up thank you for for bringing that up but um i had taken a social media fast yeah about a month and best thing i have ever done y'all i i wish i didn't have to go back i love there's some good parts of it Sure. And for work, but there, there was a, that was a blessing. But during that, my wife was kind of following um, my Facebook just in case there were some things there that I needed. And yeah. she had asked me a couple of times, "Who is who is this person?" And and if you're on Facebook, you're going to get friend requests from people right. you do not know that 100%. are a lot, those, a lot of those are fake accounts. That's exactly and, right. And, you know, and she's like, "Well, who is this?" And I'm like, "I have no idea who right. this is." And she can see right there, I don't. So yeah, be yeah. very careful with social media, Scott. Gosh, they're so good, guys. And I'm just writing notes here, and it brings to mind two things that you know, part of being married too is like one of the beautiful things for Elizabeth and I as we try to protect our marriage and all is children. Yeah, like yeah. God bless has blessed us with four kids. And just the beauty of watching them raise them is just wonderful. But what we also noticed is one of the most difficult parts of being married is children. Yes. The the raising of them, the struggles that come with that. And, you know, Elizabeth, like I was just on a men's retreat and she's got both boys getting them to karate, uh, track meets and baseball all in the same day. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that creates tension within us. So there's two things that, that she and I talk about, and it's just been this past weekend. One is this is a season. So make memories while you can, because we, we realize that 80% of our life will be spent with our kids, not in our house. Mm-hmm. So like, just to keep in perspective, Hey, this is a season. Let's, let's grind it out. Let's enjoy everything we can. Let's make memories. And the second one was this, you can raise your kids and spoil your grandkids or you can spoil your kids and raise your grandkids. That's exactly right. So, so we we really are trying. We want to be friends with our our boys. We want to love them. Want to be friends, but we recognize they need us to be a parent. That's right. More than they need us to be their their best friend. All right. Hey. So here's a here's a final question. We're gonna close this thing out. Um, do you have any personal rhythms, Scott, Dawn, that you guys suggest for Christian couples? Um, you know, like Paul. Paul's the one who originated that. The law of the harvest. You know, we reap what we sow, what we sow, where we sow, and many times more than what we sow. So are there some things that you would suggest for our Christian couples that they can sow or implement to deepen intimacy and and deepen that gospel impact? Yeah. Well, one that you just alluded to, Sully, I want to pick up on you know, I, I would encourage this for you and Elizabeth. It's still something that Dawn and I attempt to do on our field trip Fridays is to have time alone for one another. Listen, some of the biggest <laughs> the biggest memories that Dawn and I had going to Hawaii together, going to Park City to ski, going to the Bahamas together. We got babysitters or family that came and stayed with our three kids and we didn't take them with us. And they were always like growing up, y'all go to all the great places without us. And to your point, I said, you're right. And there's a reason for that because I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life. And I want her to be with me. Mm, You're going to leave me in 10, 15, 20 years, Lord willing, you're going to leave. Yeah. Cause as you were talking, I was like, okay, we had our first child in 89 and we have not been kid free in our home since. Our kids have flown out and then they have flown back in for various reasons. But yeah. one thing that has been consistent all of that time is that Scott and I really have tried to tried to invest and be flexible and invest here, changing up things over the course of time so that we could we invested, we didn't put our, let me just say this. Our pastor put all of said, don't put all your eggs in one basket because mm-hmm. those kids hopefully are going to take that. They'll take that basket and walk away. Mm-hmm. We tried to put some a lot of eggs yeah. in this basket, which created what is the best thing we can give to our kids is stability. Mm-hmm. Like we we want to take we wanted to take the worry 
uh, are my parents going to stay together off the table for them? So we prioritize this even during the seasons. When our kids were in school, we shifted our dates to daytimes, mm-hmm. um, whether it was lunch or something like that, or just going home to be together at lunch. So mm, it, that's great. It, Robert Puckett was, is our best friend and we, we would go to lunch together. We're going to have lunch with him we, today. We'd be like, Robert, you got to get out of the car. We got to go home. So, you know, for, and he'd be like, what, go, what for? Like, and I'm like, like you can't just get this. out of the car. You can't go with this. <laughs> you know, is that creativity in the season? So recognizing the season that you're in um, and how important that is. I will say one of the things that we never did well was like do a devotional together. Okay. I feel like a lot of couples ask us that. Can, is there a devotional that you recommend that we do together? And honestly, we had more fights over devotionals. Yeah, we didn't do go into bed, Ray, mad with each other <laughs> trying to read it. I'm like, this is antithetical. Yes. This is getting the the kind of <laughs> devotional I read and the kind of devotional Scott would read, they're very different. So what we want to teach our couples is to learn how to have spiritual conversations. Mm -hmm. What is God teaching you? And let's talk about it. You know, what, when you're, when you're reading or whatever y'all are reading together, if you're reading things as a reading plan, you know, what did, what you, what did you hear today out of that? Or it could be something as simple as listening to this podcast, watching this podcast and say, okay, what stood out to you? And why did that stand out to you? What stood out to you? Why did that stand out to you? What do you think God's trying to say to you or to us about it? And then what do we need to do about it? That's right. And that I find, man, just having those simple conversations does more for our spiritual formation. I'm not knocking Ray reading devotions. I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying God is speaking all the time. So just leverage the platforms that he's speaking to us in. It's very important. If you're going to fight to do something together, fight to learn how to pray together. And that, you know, Scott and I will carve out on, this is beyond mealtimes, but on Friday mornings uh, is our prayer time. We've carved out and it was awkward to begin with. It was something we struggled for a long time with. But once we started moving in this area of, of coming together and praying together, um, the intimacy on all levels in our marriage, um, dramatically increased Mm -hmm. with the father, with each other, across the board. We learned how to sit down next to each other on the floor, hold hands and just pray together. Uh, if we, if a couple wants to establish some healthy habits, spiritual habits that are going to take them the long haul, the long distance, learn how to have spiritual conversations. What are you hearing and learning from God and sharing that together Mm -hmm. and then learning how to pray together. Yeah. Because there's a difference, guys. There is a, I learned this, Scott, there is a total difference for me to say to Dawn, I'm praying for you versus let me pray with you. Because this is the thing, Ray, all we do, I mean, it's just like where we are now. We'll sit on the floor in our living room and I'll open us just in an adoration prayer of the Lord. And then we just start popcorn pinging off of one another like a ping pong ball. And I will listen, Ray, to what Dawn prays. And that goes back solely to being a student of my spouse. Mm. I listen to what she prays. And that gives me insight into what the father is saying to her, what's resonating in her heart. Then I intercede for her. And it just goes back and forth. And we don't keep a clock on it. We don't look at, but I'm telling you what happens, Ray, when I do that for her, it provides this this umbrella of protection of security for her because she feels secure in my love for her. He's not just saying, I'm going to pray for you. He is actually covering me with his prayers. We are in that covenant moment where God is with us and we're having conversation with him about the things that are in our life and going on in our life, whether it's each other or praying for our adult children and our grandchildren now and praying together for forever marriage, our couples, our young couples that are here, all the things that are burdening our heart is a covenant moment. Um, But it's, it's embattled. Uh, It's a, it's something that we have to actually fight the fight to, to do together. I I tell guys, listen, the three of us and the pastors that we're all professional prayers. We get paid to pray. You know, when we go home to our family reunions, Christmas, hey, Sully, would you mind opening Mm -hmm. 
But I tell guys all the time, this is the hardest person. They know us more intimately than anybody. So just press through that awkwardness. Just start out simple, but just start somewhere. Yeah. You know. Mm. That is per, worth the price of admission right there, friends. That is so good. I want to leave our listeners with a thought. And um, it comes from Dr. John Stubblefield, who was former pastor at First Baptist Shreveport and taught one of my seminary classes. So we were talking one day and he said, you know, the best of marriage advice, um, he said that I give. And he, we were talking about the importance of marriage and sticking it out during those difficult seasons. And he said, you know, I often hear that a person or a couple has fallen out of love and their feelings have faded. And then Stubblefield said, and the one piece of counsel that seems to have made the biggest difference when the couple says they've fallen out of love is this. He said, I tell them when the feelings fade, do what you know to be right until the feelings return. That's right. And that has stuck with me, Ray, Dawn, Scott, that has stuck with me my entire life. I've shared it with hundreds of couples doing uh, marriage counsel. And it's true. And it's it's true because true love is not a feeling that fades. It's a commitment you keep. Yes. And friends, listen, the joy that you seek, the greater blessings you desire, they're on the other side of your obedience. Yeah. Dom Scott Smith, thanks so much for sharing. You are such a joy. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the 3,400 of our people that are in this group are going to just enjoy the fire out of this. But you have helped me be a better spouse and better parent by just investing in what we've talked about today. And um, Ray Thank Sullivan. You. Man, you're just a hero too, buddy. Thank you for jumping on with us. Lana Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing for us. And I want to remind our listeners, we're only able to do this because you give to the cooperative program. So thank you for that. I pray that today's discussion with Scott and Dawn Smith will equip you to think deeply, invest purposefully, and dream big as we make world-impacting disciples. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.